Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphemet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Thank you so much for subscribing to the show on its very own feed. It was a pleasure to spend so much time with you during the week of Halloween. And now we return with a conversation on skinwalkers and the high strangeness of the Uinta Basin with investigator Ryan Burns. We're also joined by panelists Mystic Tim Rothschild and Darcy Staniforth. Right now on this edition of Night Drift by Euphemed. Ryan Patrick Burns began researching the Uinta Basin, the mysterious Skinwalker Ranch years ago. But when his passion for answers could no longer be quenched, he left his corporate job in Salt Lake City and moved to the desolate and remote basin to investigate the ranch full-time. Ryan now owns property overlooking the ranch. He hosts the popular podcast, Hero Paranormal, and has written about his experience investigating what he refers to as shapeshifter territory. He appeared as a feature on Euphemet episodes 26 and 27, and tonight he joins us on Night Drift. Ryan, welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's so good to see you, my friend. We're also joined tonight by co-host, non-dual shamanic healer, Tim Rothschild, and academic writer, performer, and paranormal investigator, Darcy Staniforth. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Appreciate you being on this panel. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. Good to be here, Jim. So, Ryan... I won't ask you to comment on anything that is happening with the group at the old Sherman ranch tonight, because frankly, the activity is seemingly not confined by a fence line and has expressed, has expressed itself along the nearby ridges and your very own property in some fascinating and even, I don't know, maybe even some dangerous ways. So let's focus on your side of the fence tonight and the surrounding basin. But first, if you could set the stage for that region and what has occurred there to make the Uinta Basin so notorious and mysterious. You bet. The region, it's not that it's, yeah, it, it, it gets me riled up. The area, it's, it's, a, it's a wealth of energy. And it, it's kind of a love affair in that I've been to other areas, a lot of paranormal hotspots. I love paranormal hotspots. I, I like that relationship you get when you're in an area and you feel that energy. However, in the Uinta Basin, there is, it, it envelops you. It, it envelops you in a way that when you are really in the thick of it, it is as if you know you are part of the story. You're not just an observer anymore. And, and that, that's, that's, I guess, the intimate part of it. But other than that, it's just a blast. Yeah. And, and what makes the place so notorious at this point in time? What is it really known for, for the uninitiated here tonight? It's an area where it's known for a long history of tight-lipped observation of UFOs, unidentified aerial phenomena, 
poltergeist slack activity, hmm. cryptozoological variants and creatures that you wouldn't expect in the region, everything from birds to canines, cats, everything in between, things that fly, hmm. things that don't, uh, small toys that seem military in nature, yet extraterrestrial at times. And then my favorite is the portals, which are just raw energy opening up and things going in and out of them. It's hmm. it's a very strange place. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, within that basin, there have been certain properties that have been affected for decades and studied by folks with uh, tremendous amounts of budget and then affected just normal folks living in that area uh, that don't have a huge black budget to to lean into to, to study these things, but has really become a, just a way of life that oftentimes is not even really talked about and shared, right? How is it, you know, sort of being a part-time inhabitant to that town and that area? What, 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 is, the, what is the tone and tenor around the mystery surrounding that place? My relationship to the area is very grassroots in that the only way I could really figure out how to get in or fit in to the area was to provide housing uh, for the residents. Mm -hmm. And that started slowly, but gained momentum quickly. So I know everybody pretty closely that, that is either neighbors of or tenants of mine. And that is kind of the way I like it because it's more raw and real. And uh, it's more intimate again, you know, less people. And really, in that area, when you get to know someone is when they really start to open up and Mm -hmm. tell you, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I did see something the other, you know, whenever. If if you just ask somebody cold off off the street, they're probably just going to say no and move on. So that's a plus. Yeah. Yeah. You get that personal relationship with folks where they trust you enough to sort of share the unsaid at that point in time. I try to. I try to be sensitive to whatever it is they're telling me. And the things people are seeing are, I mean, talk about an area that ranges with such a diverse and rich set of paranormal activity. And it's one of the reasons why so many individuals have been interested in studying or spending money in developing techniques to study phenomenon uh, as such is uh, presented in that area, because as you said, there's uh, UFO or like activity, poltergeist activity, uh, uh, alleged uh, animal mutilations that have occurred there, uh, portals, this portal activity, and a lot of this, a lot of this stuff you've really experienced yourself. Now, I will refer people back to the features we did on episode 26 and 27 because. In these feature documentaries we did together down there, uh, I had, you know, such, you're such a great host. It was like such a pleasure to just go and visit with and, and spend time with you for a few days down there. But what we really expressed within those documentaries is this sense of adventure that was almost like an addiction to you when you were younger. And you were out there illegally really running the ridges <laughs> and trying to experience everything from the outside 
of those fenced areas that you could. And sure enough, you experienced everything that they were, you know, finding and researching from within the confines of those fences on those ridgelines out there. Yes, it, it is a lot like a native American vision quest is what I've quickly found out. And Mm -hmm. by that, yeah, you sort of have to put yourself in a position that is uncomfortable to you, yet comfortable possibly to the entities that are engaging you. And this is really the bait. This is, I hate to use that term, (laughs) but you know, like when we went, it was freezing cold. I'm thinking, what are we doing here? Here we are again. And yeah, it, it, you kind of you kind of have to push the limits a little. Yeah, yeah, and there was this sense that was conveyed within those documentaries that conservation began to be such a big role within your mission statement there, and that you essentially felt a, almost a responsibility to protect and honor that space. And and you even said like, Hey, you know, sometimes I think like I should try to buy up as much land as possible here just so I can leave it setting just so we, we don't need to disturb these things anymore. Is that a position that you still stand by in this time? And go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it is. I'm leaning that direction. Sadly, I even got contacted today by an agent and you know they were like hey uh there's a property and i'm just kind of expected to buy them and um but that <laughs> it's just not you know sometimes it's you know the it, the, the better the story it's not necessarily and the best investment and uh, or, or describe a little bit why those typically wouldn't be the best investment in terms of geography and the nature of that place. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I can only use my own experience as an example. And I overpaid for the property because of its notoriety as a vantage point. Mm-hmm. And it quickly I, I quickly became enamored with it, spent tons of time there, very, very close uh, with the property, love it to death, and wanted more, like you yeah. said. Right. However, ver- the, the, the way that these multi-dimensional visitations take place by these entities is not always the way we want them to. Uh, I have had lightning strike the property disintegrating a 40-foot RV. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Sure. Because I I really want to deep, like, dip deep. Deep. What am I saying? Did I just have a stroke? What's going on here? I want to... It's okay. Thank thank you, Darcy. (laughs) Panel, please uh, help me. Um, I really want to to dig deep into your relationship to what is happening right now on your property, but let's wait for that for a second. Just right now, the, the circumstance around the, the property there and why you would be hesitant to invest in more of it. I mean, you're in the badlands, right? That That's a big... When we were exactly. there, it was four degrees out, maybe? Exactly. Oh, and, oh my gosh. Yeah, I can be back there. And I mean, we're not talking the Taj Mahal. Um, you know, I can be back there with a the generator going and some space heaters, but it's negative 
oh my gosh, like you, yeah, you just can't. And then just add that extra little bit of the unknown and things get interesting really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah as they would. Uh, you know, Tim, let's bring you into the conversation here, man. You know, you've listened to the features. You're familiar with the the, the area there. You know, what are, what are some of your impressions about either, you know, Ryan's quest for conserving and respecting a space with that, you know, sort of showing his intent with it? Well, you know, Ryan, it's very nice to meet you, by the way. Virtually. Good to meet you. Yeah. Um, my curiosity always tends to go towards how has this changed you as a person and how has this continually been some sort of a co-creation? You know, I'm thinking of like the heart of darkness type stuff. You know, this is, you can't, as you know, you can't separate yourself from the experiences. So when there's these multidimensional experiences, I keep, I keep coming back to what is your purpose in this and has that changed? How has this changed you as a person? You know, that, that's where, that's where my curiosity goes because I think that um, oftentimes a lot of the, focus goes on the external. You know, look at these amazing events, let's have some fun, whatever. But when you really start to respect what's taking place here, respect the mystery of it, you know, and a mystery is not some, some small thing. It's, I mean, it's the mystery. Um, I'm curious, <laughs> how has that changed you as a man? You know, I, I first got into it and I think I thought to myself, hey, I'm protected. This is just proof of a higher power and you know hey in god we trust let's do this this is great and as this process has you know gone year after year i've noticed that this is more of an abyss that i'm crossing and oh wow we all are in you know crossing this abyss of unknown reality uh and putting ourselves out there to these great teachers, what, whatever these entities are. And I've noticed that I've plugged into like mystery schools and <clears throat> ancient research that I most likely would not have ever engaged in if it wasn't for these personal experiences with the area. That makes sense. You know, when you start to work with this, you're working with consciousness itself a lot of the time, right? And so you're going to stumble across the schools and the other people, you know, basically other groups of people who are working with portals. You know, the woman down the street is opening up portals underneath the Vatican. I know some of these people, they're out there. So you, you, so you encounter these people. But what I'm <laughs> hearing is, you know, it's, I've always found it amazing that this is going on, right? but that's more to your point, right? You had initially this opening and this acknowledgement of this greater reality. Okay, God, God, whatever that meant to you at that moment was true at that point. And you sort of had new footing to push off of. And then you kind of started to realize there's something else going on. And that's, that's when it starts to get real, real interesting for me. So when you talk about teachers, is it, are they all teachers or are they tricksters? Or, you know, is it, I, I imagine there's all kinds of consciousnesses playing around here. Mm, great, great question. I think they are teachers in a way, if we're still alive after the event, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience that's going to enlighten us. Mm. And the unusual phenomena is somewhat academic in that at first it is mostly tricksters and mimics. Uh, those, those things that are getting your attention, the flashy, you know, to put it in, I'm a fishing guy. So to put it in, in fishing terms, it's, you know, the flashy stuff, 
to, to get your attention. And that's, that's really, you know, the lower level, a lot of times they're fun, they're great entities, but they're really just really good at doing one or two tricks. And then as you cross this abyss or climb that mountain, however you want to look at it, you start in engaging with entities that start to tell you stuff about your past and your future that you're just like realizing time has no, no, no traction with them whatsoever. They, they, they just meander as they wish. So Jim, do you mind if I follow up with this a Please, little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, cause what I'm, what I'm thinking about here is, you know, waking life and dream life are not so different when you're engaging with reality on this level. You know, so in my experience, I've found that a lot of the times uh, other intelligences or other entities will use that flash to get my attention in a dream state or some sort of non-ordinary state of consciousness. So why would that be any different here, especially when non-ordinary states of consciousness are sort of the, the, the go-to when you enter into these kinds of spaces, if I can put it that way. So I'm wondering, um, is, it, is it so they, they get your attention and then there's sort of then, then it's you as this personal being with your personal history and, and, your, and your capacity for reality, whatever that is, that enters into the space. You have to also make this space what it is, or am I wrong? Is the, you know, have you noticed that there's a sort of that co-creative aspect? Absolutely. It started as, first I was hunting, we were hunting the phenomena. We wanted to see the flash. We wanted to see the lights, the action, the, the, the tricks. And then it was the phenomena hunting us across the very same chessboard or playground or whatever. And, and what's really, really cool about it is that we could coexist yet completely remain undetached in real, reality terms. But when we return to the quote unquote game uh, or the area, these, these entities would welcome us back. And, and I say us, but there's, there's a very few... It, there, there's a few of us and many people know who those people are. And, you know, we always go with people. It's, it's not anything uh, that has to do with us, but these entities roam the landscape. Why this landscape? I don't know. It's, is it there an extraterrestrial hypothesis? I believe that there is a chess piece on the board that is extraterrestrial, but I don't believe that it is, you know, the catch one, all one phrase. Uh, right. There's there's more going on. There's a lot more going on. You know, right. what it makes me think about is something you said earlier, Ryan, is in buying up this land and this property, right, you found the best way to engage with it for the people there is to provide housing, right, which is an investment in community. And when you... F- what I'm hearing and something that it's making me think about is when you first went to engage with these entities, it's like you were showing up in their community, like as a tourist, right? Show me the flash, show me all the things, show me the things that I need to see. Like you're talking about fishing. I'm thinking about like all the glittery lures that you use to try and like bring (laughs) things in. So it's like, you're showing up in, And I don't want to be diminishing of what you're trying to do, but like showing up in a surface level, right? So it's like, oh, I've showed up, we're going to engage. And it's almost sounds like the phenomena, which sounds like it's, it's a varied community, like any community is. So, okay, we'll see if you come back. We'll see if you invest in our community. And so now as you have invested 
in an actual tangible physical material way and then continue to return it sounds like they're showing up in different ways it's like okay we we see you're serious about this we see that you're coming back for more than just the flash and the bang and trying to turn this into this like almost like like a, a paranormal attraction exactly let me just add. So it's not. So it's not that paranormal attraction. It's it's more alive and dynamic. What's taking place here? Is that is that safe to say? Absolutely. I think there's even an independent friendship. I mean, I had an event take place that actually uh, this this entity or whatever it, what, what we want to call it actually told me to purchase the property, and that's why I ended up overpaying. You know, kind of like without any thought. But um, and it took over a year to purchase, but. The it was very odd. It was a wolf with one eye, and it was massive. It was in the road, and it basically said, "You know, go back to the property. They're not done with you yet." And so I went back. I had permission to be there at the time, and I just kind of laid there in 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 the same place I was before, kind of a little grove. And all of this information, just this wealth of information, started kind of just more than I could handle, um, just funneling in. And it was interesting, but I knew that I was in the right place doing the right thing, you know, for my small brain. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Right. And at that point in time, it was almost like sort of a calling for you. Right. It was communicating in a very direct way. Okay, we've been messing around here, but please come back because we need your help almost. And because of that, you went there, you, you, bought that property that was, I'm sure, you know, and you detail a little bit in the documentaries about how it was a little bit questionable at the time. And, you know, thankfully you have a really supportive family unit. Uh, but for, for, for most individuals that would have been a little bit too far of a shot, but you did that and you continued uh, researching the area from this vantage point, and then even through the reg- ridges there was something you describe as space wolf research, which is your organization that that was based there and when I was there there was a there was a couple i think there was an outbuilding, there was a cabin, and there was a fifth wheel and you had a little bit of a compound there and then right on the other uh, edge of the uh, the hill there was a a, a proper house. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the technical equipment that you would expect from anyone surveying different anomalies happening in an environment, right? So it felt, again, compound-like. It felt like your mission was being accomplished in a way that you were surveying that land. You were learning how you could help. You were collecting evidence. And then this year happened. And I start getting 2020 hit. (laughs) So describe to us, take us back to the first of the year. And, and I think, thank you for, you know, I'm so glad that we've, you know, developed a relationship where we keep in touch and and you let me know what's going on down there because I 
think it's really important work. But it, it seemingly started to take a turn, this relationship you had with this place. So what the hell happened down there? Sure. These, these intuitive, surgical, almost seeming str- seemingly strikes be- began to take place on the landscape. And sure, I mean, what I was after was contact. Absolutely. And I, I've, like you said, I'd done everything from just putting cameras everywhere to just putting a few. And, you know, I started to find that, you know, strategically placing a few is more less obtrusive, more, more reliably, it worked better. Hmm. Uh, and what ended up happening is instead of like that soft tickle to your underbelly that you're expecting, it was lightning strikes and dust devils. And, uh, the, the lightning strike was so ridiculous that it, you know, vaporized an RV, which technically should not be possible because it has tires. <laughs> And this doesn't happen to RVs, but what it did is it shot a ground out before it hit. And mm. it was like, a yeah, just the RV gone and half of uh, the cabin back there burned down. So we were able to get a general contractor and rebuild the cabin. And uh, we were not excited about this. Yeah. And, and just a dramatic show of force. Right. Dramatic. Extreme. You know, it caught on film. I mean, I mean, yeah. it, the, the lightning bolt is, is as, you know, as, as wider than the RV is, yeah. you know, not as long, but wider. It was a 40 foot RV, but it was gone almost instantly. And it, extreme. And that was the same, you know, RV that months prior, you and I were both standing in reflecting exactly. on, uh, you know, how cold it was outside and, and uh, the, the qualities of the area. Um, in, in fact, the weekend before, uh, Kreider Exploration was out there with Navajo uh, hunters, uh, trackers, and they're familiar with skinwalkers. They're from the Four Corners area. Very familiar with all this stuff. Wealth of knowledge, these people. And they were in there just the weekend before. So it's really scary stuff. Really oh scary. God. I imagine so. So at that point in time, when you're faced with, you know... <laughs> This thing disintegrating, um, capturing it on camera. Uh, did that at that point in time? How did that make you feel about your place at the at, at you know in the yeah? Basement? Well, what I think it's very similar in an effect. It's an it's it's amazing that these entities can communicate in any shape or form anywhere. And sometimes I think we complain about how they're communicating, but this is quite a feat. Uh, the, it's a lot like interstellar where in a way, I don't know if anybody's seen that movie, but you may not be getting the reaction on the other side that you want when you throw something in. And, Hmm. you know, to say that we were throwing something in mildly, you know, hardly, I don't know how that came out on whatever other side there is because we were just hucking everything and anything you could, you know, in the quote unquote areas we thought were portals we were putting, you know, all kinds of ambivalent magic around Mm -hmm. it. And, and, and yeah, this was probably felt by something. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything in particular in terms of the, the placement of objects or, 
or or the use of magic that you look at now as being like maybe that was going too far or maybe that had a reaction or anything sort of instinctual not based on evidence or a knowing but just instinct really that, sure you know you can describe yeah we were i won't say who told us but a, a very well-known scientist told us this speculation about mostly the animals that were piling up in some of these particular points on the property. And he was telling us to just leave them. Don't move them. Don't secure them. Don't do this. Don't do that. And of course, other people are telling me to do this and do that. Well, of course, I gathered before winter came, I gathered the prime parts of the animal and brought them into the cabin of different animals and put them along the wall that ended up burning. Now, mm. what's interesting is the animals themselves didn't burn somehow. Like the, 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 the bones are fine. But to think that that's a coincidence, I don't know. It's only in retrospect that I was like, wow, this is odd. So I probably, in retrospect, should have left, you know, these animal bodies that were piling up. But it was intriguing. It was intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, I wow. think that's one of the questions that keeps coming to mind for me is like, as you're going in, I know you're like, we're going we're gonna to try all kinds of things. But like, are you starting to interact more with a really specific intention, right? Like, because I know like I've gone on investigations and, and in different areas, like making sure I'm checking myself about like where I am mentally, where I am physically, all those things before I go to engage so that I can both be like a good receptacle, but also a, a good observer but investigator at the same time so i'm wondering what practices ryan you might be putting into practice in the midst of lightning strikes oh those things didn't like you're you're clearly going like mm, got it <laughs> I, I, i'm hearing you thank you um so i'm making some changes yeah um an interesting yeah that's it's it's very relative but the 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 I think you met Alan when you were there. I can't remember if you did or not, but um, the head of security has some friends in the tribe, and they said that they, yeah, they had placed things, I guess, along the fence lines to keep whatever was going on in there mm. and from coming out. And I was kind of thinking, oh, thanks a lot, guys, you know, like, but. Um, in retrospect, I'm glad because this is really what I wanted is, is an interaction, but I do worry about obvious, uh, damage and danger to human life. That's my biggest concern, but there is, there, there's definitely a quality pack of entities that are roaming that landscape. And mm. what I mean by quality is like, they are, they're just spiritual hitmen, everything from, you know, shapeshifters to, you know, these orbs that seem intelligently controlled. We're catching things that just don't make sense. It's really fun. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I got to bring you into the conversation at this point. Wow. Spiritual hitmen. Um, the qualities of these entities uh, personifying in these very dynamic ways and doing so in a way that that does have some connection to 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 maybe spirituality or some other world or some other presence what tim with your experience in working with similar entities through a process of 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 healing 
what is your interpretation of these words that Ryan is saying here? Yeah, so, well, I always come back to you can't separate the person from, from the phenomena. So you always want to be careful <laughs> about uh, creating a narrative while at the same time recognizing that we have to create a narrative in order to make sense of this, right? <laughs> so there's got to be, there's sort of, we always get kind of pieces of truth and then pieces of untruth and just the nature of who we are as human beings, we create a bigger picture, right? And based on whether that picture is fuzzy or not, we just want to be awake to the fact that we don't know uh, that the myth actually that the mystery is always present. I'm probably going to keep coming back to that because Skinwalker Ranch and this territory and this whole investigation, I mean, your whole damn life seems to be an engagement with the mystery. You know, so when I think of spiritual hitmen, um, it makes me very curious. And also uh, I, it makes me take pause for a second. And I start to wonder what's actually going on here, because if it starts to feel like that, then I want, I, I guess in my wonder, I would wonder why would you continue to engage with something that becomes a little bit more dangerous, you know, and that's where I'm headed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ryan, uh, you know, Ridge runner over here, you know, you, you, you do have a, you do have a, uh, you are a little bit Indiana Jones. There is that swashbuckling quality to you. Is that what's happening here? Or why do you feel like, you know, as Tim mentions, you know, do you feel a sense of responsibility to push the edge on this thing despite your own safety to make connection? I do. I do. And that, that Dell has, that, that, that edge has dulled because of family life and things of that nature. But I think I have made up for it in ways. And it's, um, for example, when I was younger, I was just running these ridges and the best pair of hiking boots I could get. And you know, the most expensive camera I could buy. And then I got a flak jacket when I started getting shot at. And then I got, you know, it, it started getting better and better. And now I'm like, you know, on an electric motorcycle that can go zero to a hundred in like four seconds. Not that I do that, but in complete <laughs> darkness, you know, with, with night vision strapped to my head and I'm like, what has happened? Like this, the, the, the game has changed significantly. Right. You know, to those early days, just running around like, like, like a chicken with my head cut off. It's, it's right. the game, the game's changed. It's very interactive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so a part of that pushing the boundaries is just sort of a part of your engagement with that place. But what, what's, what's interesting is that if the lightning strike, if this aggressive lightning strike that completely dematerialized your, your, your fifth wheel and almost took down your cabin, or maybe did. If that wasn't enough, it wasn't the end. So what happened next for you there? I, when I arrived, I was, it this, and people continue to think it just sounds crazy, but I was sort of like amazed <laughs> that, you know, these events, for me, it was like catching a lunker. It was like, you know, I threw my fly right. out and I, this was great. A huge footprint of interaction. And um, it, it helped me to push the envelope a little bit, but I realized that there's a huge safety factor and that the sensitivity is like a huge deal too, because this is catching interest of, you know, large large, very high up organizations. And 
international spinoffs of them even. So mm. it, it's, 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 it's not just a game to some people. Right. Yeah. And so the consequences of sort of the interactivity being not just felt by you, but by a much larger, almost perhaps shadowy community that has, has interest in, in really what is going on here, vested interest. So for you, you know, it, it's, it's obvious that the years and, and amount of research and, and the years of effort that you've put into this, that you would continue forth, you know, after a lightning strike like that would happen. But what, what happened next? Um, next, a, in the words of the observers or the people who reported it to me, a small dust devil or dirt devil, which skinwalkers are very commonly seen taking this form in mm. traditional literature and history. And it, this apparition just beelined directly toward a shed right by the house, and it just, just demolished. It looked like a mm. bomb went off. And indeed, you know, the phenomena hypothesis is there. I mean, their house is very close and they now have a newborn and the caretakers are great. Uh, I consider us friends. And and so I'm concerned. So there's there's good things and bad things, but we we plug on. If you have it, I wonder how it, but the signal is now from this area or these entities do you feel like there's a different tone or a different energy or a different feel, you know, because I'll, I'll be as frank as possible. You know, when we spent time together down there and you shared and you, you can hear it within your voice in the documentaries we did, like you, you hear this like very passionate connection to this energy and, and these entities that really that really touched you and then showed you things about your future self that you had not even realized yet. Right. In the most personal of ways, it was very um, heartfelt. It was very positive seemingly. And it was almost as if, Hey, we need your help in this. We, we need you in this. Or do you still get that same sense after this activity happening a space wolf research on that hill, or is there a different message being felt now for you personally? Yeah, I I think the obligation is tenfold now. Um, if anything, I think it was probably a cry for help because mm-hmm. it's, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, um, that's a lot of energy, no matter how you see it, and displaced. And if we're talking about the type of possible spiritual entities or what some scientists are calling artificial extraterrestrial intelligence, it's really interesting because these space poltergeists or these these spiritual entities that can manifest and cross the space-time continuum and either you know, tickle your feet at night or literally blast your RV off your property. They, they, these have been spoken of. I mean, it's predating really written history, you know? And so it's really strange to me that, 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 you know, this is still happening really, you know, you can still engage with these entities that humanity has spoken of and 
researched and written down their behaviors and patterns. And, you know, really, when you start delving into some of them, you get to find that there is a lot of stuff that these, they like. They like that you are learning about them, that you learn how to interact with them. We'll be right back right after this break. But real quick, to listen to Euphemet Features on Ryan Burns, find episodes 026 and 027 Skinwalker on the Euphemet feed. We'll have more right after this break on Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Is, is there a part of you that feels threatened now based off these new incidents? Not really. And I'll tell you, yes, there was. Uh, however, I think I had kind of jumped the gun in preparing myself, kind of shielding myself, doing the things we spoke of, jumping into mystery school research, jumping into Egyptian mystery school research, jumping into Babylonian research, jumping, in, you know, in everything I could because these secret societies and many of these ancient mystery schools, which are really practiced religions that are longer than the established religions of our time, yeah. yet we, we scoff at them, these have succeeded to continue and typically are in the most knowledgeable of realms, those who are into the arts into finance, into, into the things that make the world turn. And it's interesting that when you start to research that, you start to notice that these, these entities have interacted with man for a long time. And the better the dance gets, I mean, the better the dance gets. What have you learned? You know, <laughs> I think that there is, oh gosh, Ah, I've learned that I don't know very much. Hmm. And uh, the, the reason I call some of these spiritual hitmen is you have to be careful. They can take a little chunk of you if you're not careful. Um, if you let them get too close, if they, they're literally, they can literally be hitchhikers that come home with you. So hmm. you've, got, you've got to be really careful with some of these entities. They're, you know, some of them are technically probably after your soul however some aren't and the you know the, it, it's like interacting with anybody at the bus stop you, you really don't know what you're gonna engage with you know you just 
I mean, that's that's exactly right. I'm thinking about the the ever increasing more intimacy that you have with this intelligence. I'm just going to call it that, right? Do you have an idea if if this intelligence is empathic in any way? Does it care at all, or is it simply mm-hmm. responding in a particular way? Because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, how we do this with animals. You know, we kind of, you know, I don't know. I forget what that word is, but we we, we say, oh, they, we we apply human traits to them, right? This is something else entirely. This isn't human, right? You know, granted, humans that pass on, in my experience, they have a different perspective that's outside space and time if they're good enough. So there's also a particular kind of maturation of their soul. So, I mean, it gets increasingly more complex. But when we talk about this intelligence, the humility that you've gained in working with them, um, as it clashes up against the, your adventurous spirit, you know, it's so interesting, you know, to be, <laughs> to, to, I, I, I want to encourage you to go on and I want to at the same time say, stop right now. So I wonder, <laughs> I ask you again with this inner conflict, which I'm sure you're battling with all the time, you know, what have you learned besides the humility? You know, have they, have they taught you? Have, have, I want to know more. I just want to know more. All I, what I've learned is that you learn things with the engagement for sure. And with the studying of how to engage with some of these possible entities. And if you get deep, deep, deep into it, you know, and you start practicing like these, these quote unquote rituals that are literally to the stars, which are the entities that could possibly be the ones you're engaging with. And you realize, you realize that, you know, this is exactly the type of stuff that Solomon was doing and that many others were doing trying to just time everything right and engage with them in ways that were non-static and beneficial to both. And if that's the direction that this is headed, which at this point, I can't say that it isn't, then that would be an equivalent for me of like a type of relationship with the astrology, the astrophysics, and just the subject that I didn't expect at all. And, mm. and, you know, this is, this is strange, you know, are the same stars that are like guiding sailors to their destinations, you know, possibly, I mean, they're named at least after possibly some of these entities. I don't know. And see, one of the things that I think about, right. Cause I, Tim, it's such a great question, right? What have you learned and talking about this intelligence? Cause you're, talking about like out here based on your experiences and stars and portals. But I think as like a historian, as an academic, I think about the generational trauma that has come across that land for indigenous people and the people in the, in the tribes. And I sometimes wonder if some of the entities that are interacting and having that reaction, right? That, um, Hey, you're, I see that you're armoring up. I see that you're um, getting, and I get it. If I was getting shot at, I'm getting a flak jacket too. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not questioning that, Ryan. But they're reacting from an ancient way as we know who you look like. Mm. You look like everybody else that came and massacred our people and pushed us off our land and said you were going to do good things with this land and then you didn't. Hmm. 
So I'm also wondering if you think about that ancient aspect that more, I know you said that you're working with people in the tribes, but how that comes into play and what their feelings about what you should be doing to kind of, yes, still interact with these things, but also get um, maybe more of them on your side. <laughs> I don't know if that's even, even the right way to phrase it. Um, if you're talking about trying to engage with indigenous spirits, I'm not, but I have engaged with them or they've engaged with me at least many times. The, the interesting thing is it's, that's kind of how it all started. And Jim's familiar with this story in the area. I picked up literally a hitchhiker, which was just apparently like an elderly native American. In retrospect, I noticed it had a Navajo blanket at the time. I didn't know the difference. And um, they were coming down off a bluff. And they jumped into the car and almost immediately, I felt like my Rolodex was just getting run through all the highs of my life, all the lows of my life. It was almost as if this was an artificial intelligence of some sort that was just plugged into me, engaging with me. And it was just having the facade of this Native American aspect. Hmm. Now, the possibility that this is some kind of other religious apparition is there too, but this entity was able to definitely like just kind of go at, arconically go after the goodies that it wanted, right? So like hmm. um, times when I felt a lot of love and times when I felt a lot of fear and I could tell that it was just like, yes, it liked that. That felt very almost extraterrestrial-ish. Now, I don't know what we're dealing with, but, you know indigenous people as well as middle eastern uh basically every corner of the globe speaks of something that is similar to a shapeshifter or a jinn uh an entity that can be whatever it needs to be to do whatever it needs to do and i sometimes attempt to engage with that aspect that aspect, I believe, represents a lot more of what you're kind of that kind of like barking up that tree, that, that elemental aspect hmm. that I feel a lot of love from that aspect. I don't I don't think that there's there's power in, in, in stuff there, but the elemental aspects in the area, I think, are what need our help, if that makes sense. The cosmic aspects in the area are doing just great. They don't need any help at all. <laughs> They're wow. doing fun. <laughs> That's so interesting. Just um, you know your your perspective on these these uh, these distinct groups within this varied phenomena, right? I, I do wonder, you know, when you had that experience, the 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 sort of foundational experience with that one eyed dog that that sort of cried for your help. W- would I be safe to assume that that felt like uh, an elemental presence? Big time. Yeah, very elemental, very as if there's just less and less territory to roam. And if it's elemental, it needs some little bit of elbow room, just a little bit of elbow room. And, and, and as you watch the landscape, yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. But the, here's the thing, guys, everywhere is developing. Even the middle of nowhere, you're starting to see the, the lights coming in from the surrounding towns and you're, it's just everywhere is developing. 
So, you know, from that aspect, you know, yeah, it's, I've made zero money with the property, but it's there. It's not being developed. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what it is that will engage with the elementals more than the cosmic, but I think the cosmic is, like I said, doing just fantastic. Right. <laughs> right. And sit on this, you know, it's so interesting that that area and what you're looking into is such a, a rich and complex confluence of so many different types of energy. And that's what I was faced with when I was there. It was not too dissimilar to when I went down to New Orleans and I was going to meet a vampire in a town of voodoo. And I, I was so confused about like the swirling type of energies that were, were going on in the space that I needed to, you know, as not someone who typically ascribes to picking up, you know, pendants or, or, you know, talismans or anything like that. Like I was doing a lot of that there to just try to get my bounding and, and to really ground my intent. And I had to do a very similar thing when I went to Skinwalker Ranch. I asked Tim's advice. Like, hey man, what should I, do you remember this conversation, Tim? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and my answer has evolved as you know, because <laughs> you and I were discussing maybe possibly taking a, a trip and I said, you know, we should probably, we should probably get some protective gear set up. And you said, Hey, you didn't tell me to do that when you when I asked you about it. And I said, well, my opinion has changed, Jim. <laughs> well, because you were thinking about you were gonna be going with. I finally had to feel my, my anxiety. Yeah, yeah. No, what I what I had said to you was, and it's always where my questions go to is what is your intent and what is the nature of what you're going to be encountering? Because on the level that you're working with, I think that that makes a huge difference, you know. Um, because again, depending on the maturation of this intelligence, it might be able to sense your intent where maybe it has no idea. And it's just here to, to, to screw around a little bit and who knows, you know, that, sure. that's, a, that's a great way to contextualize it. And it, and it brings me to what my point was going to be, which is in this field of such a confluence of contextualized, uh, identities entities, intelligences, perhaps elemental, perhaps cosmic, perhaps something else. Mm-hmm. How does one, you think, like really level what your intent is going to be? Because it feels like those parties within that space, if they are individuals, would have their own intent and their own opinion on what that intent is going to be. So how can you please everybody? How can you please all those energies in that space? You have to be super careful and be grounded out and literally be like an empty bowl, you know, with no rice in it, not even one grain, because you are the battery. And these are all basically like tentacles of, if you could picture it like wires, and they're all trying to interact with you and get that connection. You're the battery and with the, or the observer. And they're trying to get that connection where they can power up and do what it is they do. And a lot of these things remind me of biblical and the reason i i mean a lot of interaction with these things you hear stuff like the chattering voices above your head at night that sound like five to seven feet above your head so it's just like disembodied voices right and they sound like uh very ancient languages and you know as you analyze this you're like what could these things be you start reading about it and like other people have engaged with these things. The Greeks talked about like the gods talking above their heads. The, um, it, it, there's 
tons of different times in history where people have documented this type of behavior and called it something. Mm. That's where I think we're getting the hiccup is we're calling it something. The minute we don't call it something, it's like we could probably all touch it and know exactly what it was. There's so much wisdom in that statement, you know, because the most powerful thing that we could do as, as a human being is to give something a name. But the dark side of that is now we've just, we, well, we've given it a name. We've labeled it. We've given it limitations. And a lot of times we're not actively being conscious to the fact that we are freezing an intelligence into what we thought it was yesterday, as opposed to what it is today, this very alive dynamic force that needs to be respected as such, or perhaps it will strike your RV with a gigantic lightning bolt. Exactly. Ryan, have, have you had in the folks that have been out there to investigate, uh, how are the empaths and the highly sensitive people reacting out there? I've had um, everything from people immediately just throw up when they arrive on the property. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> to others that are sick and show up and they feel better. Mm. And, and one thing I always notice, and it makes no sense really, is um, I always feel a little bit better when I leave than when I arrive. And I don't know if that's just because I kind of, you know, got that done and I'm headed back home or that it kind of recharges my batteries a little. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe you've identified that you've survived yet again. <laughs> yeah. But I want, I, I think about like, you're talking about like the concept of the bull, right? Because there is in the tradition of monks, the idea of the begging bull. And they would go out and whatever was put in their, that bowl during the day was what they needed to receive. Hmm. So maybe in a sense, it's not about like the rice, but it's about you going out there with the begging bowl and saying, all right, I'm ready wow. to receive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, because if you go out there and you have Bigfoot in the bowl or you have spaceships in the bowl or you have something predetermined in your mind that you are going down a particular alley, they will interact with that and, and, and use that clay that you're giving them to create whatever it is you may or may not observe. So it's, it's really strange, but people see what they want to see. You see what you want to see. And so that's why it's so important that you go out with absolutely nothing in there. It's got to be totally empty because then you get what you get and you don't create something like uh, I think Tim was saying, you know, you can, you can create something in your head. So it's very, very important that you kind of try to go out there empty headed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Empty headed. Yeah. And, then, and then there's still, there's the fact that you can't, you can't, you know, obliterate yourself and who you are and the experiences that you've had. So you, you can make as much of an effort as you can to be the empty bowl, which is what I think you need to do. But at the same time, you've got the people who show up onto the property and start throwing up. You know, you've got the people that feel different. So there is a certain kind of mm, constitution that lends itself to working with kind, these kinds of intelligences. So that leads me to my next question. Has anyone in your family, I'm just, I'm thinking about your genetics and your own personal history. Has anyone in your family had this kind of relationship to, to life? 
Uh, is this a kind of a thing that you guys do? You know, you keep it quiet. Tell me more. This has, there are, yes. To answer your question, yes. <laughs> there have been, there have been very interesting, I would say equivalent entity manifestations um, at r- ranches of loved ones and uh, relatives of mine in Costa Rica, which is where I'm from. And these are things that are just acknowledged. And, 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 and a lot of that in, in Latin American culture, it's, it's, it's a little bit more that you fall, you, you, UFOs are just more accepted, hmm. but they're not talked about. So, I mean, again, you're, it's very similar to the Uina Basin, you know, where these ranchers and these, these people are salt of the earth people that are just trying to make a living and, and they're not trying to cause any trouble and whatever it is that's out there, they don't want to, they don't want to mess with it. So, you know, they, I, I get that, that that's similar, but we have a lot of that in, in my family. And, uh, I don't know if that's a genetic thing. Hmm. There's one, one more piece, you know, you know, you work with these monks and these other people that, that are constantly engaging with consciousness enhancing, you know, techniques, just to put it simply um they they tend to encounter these kinds of intelligences all the time but they've just got a different focus you know so i think it's really cool that you've got this adventurous spirit that is 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 playful willing to engage willing to enter into this over and over again because there's a lot of people that that do connect to this level but but won't do that and they won't share it with the world and they stay they stay quiet and they do their 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 serving bowl and so you know good for you man i think it's really cool thanks Yeah, I I appreciate it. You know, and I I love that, you know, through your lineage, you know, it's not like you showed up to this place yesterday and, and, you know, started working on a TV show or something like you've been there for what, like you've been studying this for 15 years or or longer, right? At this point in time. And before that, it's, it's not as if you were um, sort of not exposed to esoterica or the occult or even things like remote viewing, correct? Correct. And so, you know, your ability to, you know, gleam from these areas, little bits and pieces of information to then inform what not just your intent is, but whatever that personality is that's based in reality, that's grounded in history and tradition and empathic beliefs. Uh, you know, I, I think that entering into a space as you are so frequently seems like that's exactly what you, you really have to do to be able to equip, to be, be equipped to even enter into a conversation where there's a chance for there to be some level of understanding that occurs. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, upon engaging with the area more and more, you do, you, you do fall in love with it, but there's a, there's a respect that comes with it. And like you said, it's not, it's not, that's not like I was there yesterday. I remember somebody was asking me, we were on a ridgeline and they said, why are the rocks so red? And I said, it's probably all the blood from like scraping down it so many times, but <laughs> it's, it's just, it's one of those areas that it gets in your blood. And for better or for worse, uh, myself, Ryan Skinner, there's uh, Dave Rosenfeld, there's many, many researchers predating us, Junior Hicks, Ryan Layton, the list goes on and on. It, you know, we're t- back when Father Escalante and Dominguez came through, 
making gold routes for the Spanish in 1776. They were going right through there and they were documenting all the notable things that we're t- discussing. And, you know, wow. the men of the cloth. And they just said, this is an area that, no, things aren't right. Wow. Interesting. Well, you know, what's mm-hmm. really fascinating about that idea is that we know this sort of um, potentially problematic lore surrounding that space within the, the, um, the sort of history of an alleged curse on the land and, and a battle between two indigenous peoples that involve uh, like, uh, you know, I could, I didn't even want to make, I don't even know if this is the right thing to do or not, but for our feature, I just did not even want to approach that. I didn't want to place that story into the context of what your relationship to the, the area is, or even what is really happening there because it felt a little um, weird and dirty or something to be able to, but, but what I'm hearing from you and and this has been my impression is that this is something that has been going on for much longer than even modern peoples have been around to experience. And there is something deeply, deeply ancient almost about our relationship to this place and whatever is happening. Is that, is that your experience? Because even digging up references from something that predates like an alleged curse that would have happened, you know, predating that you're finding these experiences and there's other places across the world that perhaps are these PowerPoints or uh, vortices that exist where this interactivity is at a fever pitch and, and it is a higher amount. Absolutely. Yes. These, this is, this is an area that it seems like the veil is super thin. And you mentioned remote viewing. That's, that's, that is a venue that I went down very hard. I went deep, deep, deep down into that rabbit hole. And there's a very true aspect of the typical response you get from quality remote viewers when they're asked, hey, will you remote view this area? You get very similar answers. All I can say is there's a reason for that. Those answers are not what people want to hear. Hmm. It, it, it's, it's, there's an ancient technology somewhere under the surface. And there is interaction with whatever that is. Whether this is something that is short-circuiting our global grid and allowing this stuff to happen, or if it's something that is the equivalent of uh, an aircraft carrier, when an aircraft comes into an aircraft carrier, they release a hook behind them hmm. where they are able, it's kind of like a tether where they're able to actually land and not crash into the ocean. And that's what's seen a lot with some of these UAPs, UFOs and entities. They can go in and out of stuff like rock, dirt, water. Hmm. And it's as if our reality is completely malleable to them. And it's fascinating. Yeah, that was Tim and I's experience at uh, East Eddy Ranch, for example. Sorry, Darcy, go ahead, please. No, it's okay. But is that what the remote viewers are seeing? They're seeing an underground base of some kind in the general vicinity of the area. And depending on who you talk to, 
uh, a taller, wider, skinnier version of ourselves. Mm, like, wow. a t- like a tall white. Tall white. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think when I think about ancient, right? We're Because we're talking about like no time, no space. And then we use the word ancient because we're hearing things that in our understanding sound ancient, which perhaps could also be actually very evolved, right? Depending on your lens on it. And so I also wonder if it's not really about ancient and advanced, but something continuing to grow stronger and smarter and more intelligent and just building and building but I guess that also depends on your lens of, you know, death and the end of energy. Like, do you th- like, is it, hey, I'm looking at it through the lens of like, you die and then you return to the land. Or do you look at it through the lens of my energy converts into something else that continues to evolve and change, right? Like Tim had mentioned talking with those who've crossed over that have a different perspective. So I also wonder, too, if the things we're also naming as ancient are truly so much greater than that. Hmm. 100%. I I 100% agree. And I think there's relationships we're finding in the research that I love what you said because ancient is just our perspective. And that could be completely wrong on the prism of, you know, like what is actually taking place. But there's what we're finding is there's interesting things such as ancient s- snake worship that is etched into some of these landscapes. And this same snake worship is located in areas of Europe and the Middle East. Um, we're finding, and I say we because it's not just me. There's many of us, many researchers that research this stuff. But there are for example, candles left behind from ritual sites of these quote-unquote shifters, shapeshifters, which is the human aspect, the, the humans that are trying to do this or are doing this, but there's entities that do it with these. And these candles are in the same formations, in the same colors, and in the same exact positions as candles used to uh, invoke the jinn in the Middle East. So there's like really crazy cool stuff happening. Wow. And this is and happening, it, you, you think, right now, even. Like absolutely. Presently, yeah. folks are, are participating in this level of magic to try to incarnate or, or tap into it. Absolutely. I know of, I can't name names, I know of one totally normal white, I hate to use that term, but just you would never expect, you know, literally eating crow, walking barefoot at night, doing all of the things required, and it's just like, oh my gosh, man, you know, checking in with me. Hey, you know, like, what am I missing? (laughs) Dude, no, you got to stop. You got to chill, slow down. You'll get get there. Don't be in a huge hurry. But these are things, I did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same thing when I was young. But I also think too, like you're tying it back to like, like ancient snake worship, right? And then, but as you, like, to me, I think about His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, right? Where to truly move towards that enlightenment, the simpler things get, right? It's not about, so it's like, again, our lens of like, this is simple ancient practice of candles and these more rudimentary drawings or carvings. 
but maybe they get something we don't, which is like, it's, it's so good as it is. You do not need to make this more complex. It does not need to be fancier or high tech or whatever. This works. <laughs> this thing we've been doing for tens of thousands of years, millions of years before you were here, this works. I, th I think you're dead on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about this, right? They're working with the reality as it is. So there are these, you know, we all know about the ley lines and the acupuncture points, you know, around the earth. So there's, there's already the, these power spots, you know, call them whatever you want to call them. Everyone's got their name for it, you know? Um, and then there's the people that understand this on a certain level as above, so below, or call it the fractal nature of reality. So within those acupuncture points are more acupuncture points. And there's the ability to work with the underlying geometry of how reality works. Think platonic solids and the other mystery school guys, you know, they figured this out by having a particular kind of sensitivity, a certain kind of relationship to reality, which wasn't the same as ours. You know, think ours isn't the same as it was a hundred years ago as it was during the industrial revolution and so on. So this, it changes dramatically, but the echoes of this are felt in the truth that stands still in a certain sense, you know, or talks to you on a day-to-day -day basis or if, <laughs> if you're hanging out there, you know, but that, I, think that's, that, I think that's what we're talking about here. The fact that there's a truth that we're touching on and then there's sort of the effect of time and interaction on that truth. You know what I'm saying? Whether that's human beings, other intelligences, coming or going or still here or not going, you know, it, it's, it's always a movement into complexity. But yes, I think, Darcy, what you said was so true. It comes down to the simplicity of it. When you see these geometric shapes, we know, oh, something is happening here that's not about building skyscrapers or, or you know, or, or getting social media posts to be liked. It's, it's something entirely different that most of us have lost contact with, but some of us have the, uh, the honor of, of being able to work with it or respecting in some way. You get my point. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. I think, I think that's exactly, you know, there is a grid of some sort and, and I keep, I don't know what, what it is, but but there is a grid of some sort that's visible from time to time, light beams that are visible from time to time that go up and down. Um, and there's, there's like Darcy was saying, this possible technology or knowledge of a technology. And this same snake worship is seen, you know, in Egypt, is seen in the Vatican, is seen, uh, you know, the same. Anyway, the similarities are there. Yeah. And... And I wonder if, yet, yeah, like Tim said, we're, we're, we're dealing with the same landlords we've always had. Hmm. And we're just calling them different <laughs> things, you know. Well, certainly it's a place where your landlord has, you know, sort of been a little uh, rough. I think you might, you know, ask them for a few months of free rent or something. That would be nice. Got to be some laws in the Badlands of Utah for that shit, I would assume. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so listen, uh, we could go on all night about this. I think that we've come to some really fascinating, uh, maybe not discoveries, but like sort of, uh, interpretations of what's going on here. And I think one of the reasons I was so excited about this particular panel was the, uh, individual perspectives and uh, the knowledge bases that are coming together to interpret or decode a little bit of what this all could mean. And I think that's one of the most exciting opportunities that that space presents. It 
presents a playground for, you know, you folks right in front of me right here to be able to integrate so much of what we know about different aspects of the spiritual, the paranormal, the occult, uh, historical context, right? And enter it into this kind of uh, this 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 sort of muddy world of ambiguity. So I think that's one of the true potentials it has in that space. And 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 Ryan, I'm, we're super fortunate that you came on the show. I think next time you come on, we'll have to go into your Randonautica adventures because oh, we've got yeah. some we've got some stuff to to jam on of that. Uh, very excited to talk to you about. But for tonight, I think that was that was great. And uh, you know, where can people? I so just for those watching, got these right here. I know these Perfect. are available on Amazon, I believe. Yep. Where else can people go to find your work, to listen to your podcast? to keep up with what's going on at Space Wolf Research. Oh yeah, you bet. And I'm going to send one little tidbit to kind of just kind of get everybody a little bit interested in something really quick before we go into that. Please. Yeah, please. Where the lightning struck was within steps of where a, sci- a, a gentleman named James Keenan came out and did measurements of the land. And this particular spot there was, it was going basically all the way to the center of the earth. Uh, his measuring tool was going all the way to the center of the earth measurement wise. And that uh-huh. is a glitch or shouldn't happen, but it continually did that just a few steps from where this took place. But going on, you oh, can find... Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you want to keep up, uh, go to social media, uh, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, you can go to SWR on Facebook um, or spacewolfresearch.com. Or if you want to keep up with the podcast, it's just heroparanormal.com. Jeez, at journey to the center of the earth is what it's, it's going to be. It's very strange. Very Holy strange. Shit, Ryan. Crazy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Of course, all that information will be in the show notes. Uh, Darcy and Tim, please let everyone know where they can check out your work. Darcy? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Darcy Staniforth. You can find me at the third thing network, all spelled out the third thing network at gmail.com or dot com. All right, everybody. This has been so incredible. This these are one of those conversations that make me just wish we were all in the same room. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Bread and having fun and and just going about it. It would be fun. It would be fun. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait for real life to begin well, again. Well, I, I, I guess we're all going to the land together then, aren't we? <laughs> feels like it. It feels like it. Sounds like it. Get your talismans, Tim. Just you, all right. you, I'll do the talisman. You do the intention thing. That's okay. Well, yeah, okay. We'll do that. All right. Thank you, patrons. Appreciate you guys. You know, you're the reason that so much of this is still continuing on during COVID and that uh, the reason we're all getting together to explore these deep ideas and we you know, love having you uh, such a deep part of our lives. So I appreciate it so much. I love you guys. Take care. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Night Drift. Thank you again to our guest, Ryan Burns, and our panelists, Tim Rothschild and Darcy Staniforth. Find links to their work in our show notes. To listen to Ryan's UFOMet features, find episodes 026 
and 027 Skinwalker on the Euphemet feed. To be a part of our next live Zoom interview, join us at patreon.com slash euphemet. And remember, subscribe to Night Drift's new feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Music on the show tonight by Magic Sword and Deerhoof, courtesy of Joyful Noise, a record label curating adventurous music from a plethora of amazing exploratory artists. Big thanks to Carl for hooking this up. He's a listener, a patron, and the owner of this label, and I'm so excited to welcome Joyful Noise as a Nitra sponsor. Thank you as well to Anchor.fm. This edition has been edited by Kyle Gilmer of Residual Audio. For everything Night Drift and Euphemet, merch and links to our social media, visit euphemet.com. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Perry. Until next time, keep looking up. You can follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.